Good morning, Grace family. This morning, our Bible reading will be taken from the book of Romans. Romans 15, 1 to 7. Romans 15, 1 to 7. If you would like to use the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 949. Page 949. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the fallings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. But the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is the word of the Lord. Here we go. Am I on? Now I'm on. Okay, let me start over. (laughs) That's why nobody responded. They're like, what did he say? Let me start by saying, get ready everybody to respond, (laughs) that our artwork out in the hall looks great. There we go. There we go. We're getting there. Okay. Um, Why, why, why are we doing, why this, why this art project out in the hall? Why art? Why, why beauty? Why, um, why taking the time and the effort? Why are we encouraging you to be a part of this? Because as we come together and we listen to the Word of God, then the Lord asks us to take the Word of God that's been implanted, take the seed that's been implanted into us, and then live it out. And we're going we're gonna to do that in big ways. We're going to do that in relational ways. But one of, the, one of the easy, simple ways that we can do that is by expressing that visually on a canvas right? So you take a little piece of paper and you put a little dab of glue on there and you stick it on there. And what does that do? That, set, that, that becomes a visual for the rest of the community, for the rest of the body, that we are here to serve the Lord, that we are here to be unified together in Christ and to take the truths that we're learning and express them together. And you say, well, you know, Brady, I am not artistic. Look, like I said a couple weeks ago, we have set the bar so low on this thing. (laughs) Can you take a piece of paper and glue it on? (laughs) Then you are artistic, right? You are creative. You say, well, Brady, I uh, don't want to ruin, I don't want to ruin the project. You cannot ruin this, okay? Trust me. You cannot ruin this. You, you cannot do it wrong. There's no wrong way to do it. 
Okay? So afterwards, we hope that more and more of us will engage, and, and as we watch it, watch it grow, it'll remind our hearts that we are growing together in Jesus. Amen? Amen. We're in this one another series that we kicked off last week. Last week, love one another. A foundational sermon, a foundational passage from 1 John. Christ's love is in us and it flows out of us. All the rest of these one another's that we'll do over the next eight weeks will flow out of the idea of um, loving one another. So today we're going to talk about welcome one another. Welcome one another from Romans 15 verse 7. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt not welcome somewhere? Yeah. Have you ever felt like an outsider? Like you're the, you're the round peg in the square hole. Like you're with a bunch of people, you're the third wheel, you're, you're, the, you're the one that doesn't quite fit in. Yeah, probably we all have. Probably we all have. At some point, we felt like we weren't welcomed. Sadly, some of us have felt that in our own homes, maybe growing up. Maybe we've felt that in a church, haven't we? And we felt like, I don't fit in with these people, these, all these Christians, and, and they don't accept me for who I am. And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's in a friend group. Listen, if you've been through middle school, you have experienced this. <laughs> right? You can't sit at our table. Man, welcome one another. So Romans 15, 7, the commandment is given to us. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And 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 I wore my little welcome shirt today. You know, this is what our welcomers, our greeters, our hosts wear, and we welcome each other. And so, you know, as long as we're just kind of saying, hey, how you doing? Good to see you, Russ. It's good to see you. Welcome, brother. And oh, Greg, man, I'm glad you're here. Mark, brother, how's it going? Oh, and if I'm doing that, check. I've checked off Romans 15, 7, and we can all go home, right? <laughs> Short sermon. Short sermon. Did you say hi to somebody? You're good to go. Okay, that's not what this passage is teaching. In fact, there's other passages that say greet one another. That's what I just did. I greeted people. This is very different. This is much more in-depth. So here's our our lesson is literally just Romans 15, 7. Here's Here's our lesson. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So let's, let's go, what we'll do is we're going to go kind of ver, uh, word by word, phrase by phrase through this verse, and we'll try to see what does it mean for us to welcome one another. So let's start with this word, welcome. This is a word that means to accept or to receive. So it's not just, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. It's a much deeper concept to accept or to receive, to take by the hand, to take as a companion, to take to oneself, to receive into your home, to make a part of your life, 
to take as a friend, or even it's used to mean to take as a spouse. No walls, no barriers. The root word is the same root word when, like when Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary, and take my yoke upon you. Receive or accept my yoke. Same root word. We are welcoming by accepting each other, receiving each other. This is an intimate word. This is a word about unity and upbuilding. It's much more than just handing out bags at the Welcome Center. That's important. That's greet one another, which is also in Scripture. But it's way more than that. Again, this flows out of love one another, love for one another. If I love you, I will receive you. I will accept you. If I love, if I am loved and welcomed and received by Christ, I will welcome. So, how, how are we doing with this? How are you doing with this? How are we corporately doing with the accepting of one another? Who is in your in-group? Who is in your out-group? Stay away. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to have to deal with their drama. One another. One another. Welcome one another. We're going to spend some time here. One another. So, verse one, verse one, fifteen one. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. So who are the one another's? Who's, who is Paul talking to in Romans 15? Well, he's talking to the church at Rome. Here's what we know historically. The church at Rome was likely started by Jewish believers who left Jerusalem after Pentecost. So they get saved, Jewish people get saved, and they were in Jerusalem for the big festival. And so now they're going home. They go back to Rome, and in Rome, they start a church. And over time, more and more people are getting saved. Uh-oh, Gentiles are getting saved. So now we got Jews and Gentiles coming to the same church. One of them has a background steeped in religion or in, um, you know, the Jewish faith. The other has a background that doesn't really know anything about God and Scripture and all of that. And so that's this letter. There's external differences. There's racial differences. And so we can start there as a church. We can say, hey, do we accept each other irregardless of the external differences that we have? Do we accept each other irregardless, uh, no matter what the race, no, what, no matter what the ethnicity, no matter how, how old or how young, male or female, you know, things that we can just see when you come walking in the door. I can see these, this is how you're different from me. But where Paul takes us in Romans 15 is to a whole new level. We're not, he's not even talking about the externals, he's talking about the internals. And now what are we going to do? Can we accept each other through the internal differences? So let's go back. We have to go back into chapter 14 to kind of get some running context here of who are these strong and who are these weak. 
How are they internally different? So Romans 14, 1 to 4. I'll have it up on the screen. You can flip over a page in your Bible as well. As for the one, here's what Paul says back there. He says, as for the one who is weak in faith, so he's not talking about physical, weak and strong, weak in faith, welcome him, not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and not let the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand." Okay, so now we're getting somewhere. The weak is the weak in faith. The strong is the strong in faith. And he even gives us a specific example. Food, what food they eat. So, Jewish believers, and for good reason, listen, for good reason, they would have had strict dietary laws, obviously rooted in their Scripture. Remember the book of Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, they stood up against the, the, you know, uh, the Babylonian kings trying to change their diet, and that was great. <laughs> they were heroes of the faith for that. And then more, more to their, their context, 100 years before this was written, the Greek empire came in, and if you know your history a little bit, Antiochus Epiphanes, he comes in and he literally forces Jewish people to change their dietary law. This is the guy who literally sacrificed a pig on the al- in the temple on the altar, right? And then the Maccabees, they fight a big war and we get Hanukkah out of it. It's, it's a big deal. It's a, all of this is a big deal to their hearts. And then along comes Christ, Paul, and they start saying things like, oh, it, does, it doesn't matter what you eat. What? What are you talking about? It doesn't matter what we eat. You remember even Peter had a problem with this. Acts chapter 10, he's like, I'm not eating that, Jesus. I'm not eating that. And then the big tent, the big... Uh, it comes down, it's got animals, and kill and eat. And Peter's like, what are you talking about? No, no, you're allowed now. Okay, so you've got these Jewish believers that are probably weak, the weak ones. They're holding on to the traditions and the laws and the rituals. you got the Gentile believers who are labeled as strong because they're like, yeah, we have freedom and liberty. And so, conflict, conflict. And isn't this what makes church life so hard still? Who, who in these pews has all the same convictions as you? Who in your small group has all the same exact convictions that you do? Prob- I mean, if, if you've gone any deep at all with these people, you soon realize nobody, <laughs> nobody has all the same convictions I do. And so, now listen, strong and weak is not right and wrong. Paul is not saying the weak are sinning or the strong are sinning. This is not a sin issue. 
In a minute, we're going to see that he says, both of them are honoring the Lord. Okay? So that's super important. Notice he says in 14 verse 1 that we quarrel, they quarrel over opinions. They quarrel over opinions. The word opinions is, is a word that means like reasoning, like almost like life logic, like why do I do what I do? So it's a little stronger than our word opinion. Like we all have opinions on every little thing, don't we? This isn't about opinions over every little thing. This is about like life motivations, who, who I am, identity, this is like identity issues. Who am I? Why do I do what I do? That same word is often translated in the New Testament simply as the heart. The heart. So your heart is super important. We care about each other's hearts, don't we? Notice that they are quarreling, though. They're quarreling. So it's become pride. It's become a source of pride. My convictions are what make me better than you. My practices, my Christian practices, are what make me better than you. And therefore, you need to change. And so, his language, he says, the strong start to despise the weak. In other words, they think of them as nothing or less than or second-class Christians. Oh, you still believe that? You still don't watch R-rated movies? You, oh, you don't, you don't drink alcohol? Come on, man. Jesus set us free. What's your problem? The weak judge the strong. You watch R-rated movies? You took a glass of wine with your supper? And you are a bad Christian. So you got, these, you got this conflict. They're not welcome. They're not receiving each other. They're fighting. They're quarreling about all of these things. Okay, again, side note. <laughs> these are not sin issues. These are not sin issues. Yes, listen to me very carefully. There are things in the Bible that are clearly sin issues, and none of us should do them, okay? That's not what Paul's talking about here. There are clearly things that… So, in Acts 15, in Acts 15, as the church is mostly Jewish, uh-oh, here comes all these Gentiles getting saved, and we're going to have this mixed church now. And so, in Acts 15, they hold a big meeting. The, the Council of Jerusalem, and they all get together, and there's some people there that are saying, we need to make the Gentiles obey all the Old Testament regulations and Sabbaths and festivals and, and all of that. Book of Galatians, if you've ever read the Book of Galatians. And, and then Peter stands up and says, why would we ask them to do what we never did? <laughs> Why, why would we ask them to obey a bunch of rules that we were never able to obey? And they land on this. They say, look, and I'm, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a very complex passage and boil it down into a very simple thought. They land on this. Here's what we're going to ask the Gentiles to do. No sexual immorality and no idolatry. No sexual immorality, no idolatry. Why? Because those are image of God issues. Those are love issues. If, I, if I'm worshiping idols, 
I'm not imaging God and I'm not loving God and others. And if I'm committing sexual immorality, and that's a whole other sermon, by the way, if I'm committing sexual immorality, I'm not, I'm not worshiping God and I'm not loving others. So listen, there are sin issues. There are things. But, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. And honestly, if we're being honest, a lot of what divides us as Christians are opinions. Not black and white, thus saith the Lord, issues. We have to wrestle with that. Now listen, listen to me carefully. This is where it gets tricky, because this is what Paul's teaching us. You have the Holy Spirit, Christian, and you have a conscience. And the Holy Spirit is going to work with your conscience. If the Spirit, through your conscience, is telling you not to do it, now that is a sin issue for you. Everybody tracking with me? It might not be a sin issue for every other Christian, but it's a sin issue for you. Because the Holy Spirit, through your conscience, is telling you, don't do that. Okay? So that's where things that aren't sin issues can suddenly become a sin issue because it's an issue of faith. Chapter 14 ends with, anything not done from faith is sin. Okay, Brady, well, what are some of these issues today? I'm an idiot to bring this up, right? (laughs) But I'll give you some examples. (laughs) I'm just going to increase the division, right? (laughs) Um, So I'll, I'll give you one from my own personal life, one that God has changed my conscience on over the years. I grew up, my, my, my dad was in the Christian school movement, 1970s, the Christian school movement. And my dad was on, he was, he was on the, you know, the, the forefront of that. And I grew up Christian schools, Christian schools. And I went to, I went to Bible college, like with a conviction, I wrote papers on it. Like Christians go to Christian schools. The public school is sinful. It's the devil's playground, no public schools. Now, that was 25, 30 years ago. That is no longer my conviction. Over the years, God has changed my conviction on that. As your pastor, I would say, you got to follow your conscience and the Holy Spirit and do what's best for your family. Christian school, great. Homeschool, great. Public school, great. Okay, so that's, that's something. So now listen. If I were to say, I cannot personally, in good conscience, teach in a public school. Great. Amen. Don't teach in a public school, Brady. If your conscience is telling you. Now, listen to this difference. If I stood up in front of other Christians and said, no Christian teacher should teach in a public school. You see the difference? One is my conscience for me, and I should obey that conscience, and if I don't, I'm sinning. But the other is my opinion, whereby I might judge you and label you as a bad Christian. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. I, in good conscience, could not drink alcohol 
versus no Christian should ever drink alcohol. I, in good conscience, could never vote for Trump versus no Christian should ever vote for Trump. I, in good conscience, could not… My conscience says I have to wear a suit and tie to church versus you're a bad Christian if you're not wearing a suit and tie at church. Do you see the difference? And these are the things… Holidays, tattoos, the words we say, the f- it's the you know, food, you know, Paul deals with food and holidays. Those are still issues, aren't they? <laughs> Those are still issues for us to this day. Food, wine, and holidays are the things Paul brings up. Okay, here's the surprising thing. Here's the surprising thing about this passage. Here's what, here, here's what we think Here's where we think Paul should go. Those of you who are strong must change the weak. Turn the weak into the strong. He doesn't say that, does he? He never once says that. You see, there's there's three things you can do with a Christian that has different convictions from you, a different conscience from you. There's three things you can do, three strategies. Number one, reject them, avoid them, stay away from me. Number two, you can receive them in order to change them. Oh my goodness, I have heard that language used over the years. Oh, I'm so glad we have this outreach so then we can get the teenagers in and change them. You don't say it exactly like that, but you've thought it. That's how you've thought it. The third, the third is the, the way Paul goes, which is embrace each other. Just embrace each other. Just love each other. That's what he wants us to do. We're not rejecting each other. We're not trying to change each other. We're embracing the difference. You see, that's love. Love embraces the difference. Love Love is the final ethic, the final character trait of the Christian. Not your convictions, not your scruples, not your conscience, not your list of do's and don'ts. Those things don't show me that you're a Christian. Love shows me that you're a Christian. Okay? Listen, we are all about, as pastors, we are all about the freedom of the conscience and we are, we are, and I've, I've said it before standing up here, we are not going to try, and sometimes we probably do, we mess up, but we are not going to try to bind your conscience. In other words, we're not going to try to make you do something that the Bible doesn't say you have to do. I talked about that with voting. Do you remember that? Like, we're not going to set up, register to vote out here in the foyer. You know why? Because Christians don't have to vote. Your conscience might tell you that to, to vote, and by all means, then you better vote. But your conscience might tell you that you don't have to vote. So I'm not going to set up a table that makes it sound like in order to be a good Christian, you have to vote. Okay? So that's just one example of many. I'm not, we're not going to bind your conscience. But listen, love might bind your conscience. Right? Love is going to set the boundaries on your freedoms. Love is going to trump liberty, isn't it? You are free to, in order to love. Okay, this includes no stumbling blocks. No stumbling blocks. 
Romans 14, 15. For if your brother is grieved, listen to this, strong language. If your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Wow. Do you know what that means? That means love, love is the trump. Love, I'm, look, my conscience may say I can do a certain thing, but if me doing that in front of you destroys you, <laughs> destroys your conscience, shame on me. Shame on me. I have to, in love, not put that stumbling block in front of you. And there's a, a, probably a myriad of examples that we could give. So why aren't we trying to change each other, Brady? Why aren't we trying to change each other's <clears throat> convictions? Because if it's done in faith, it can be done to the glory of God. And that's, that's the bottom line here, guys, as we relate to each other, as we accept one another, welcome one another, if that person is, is living that way in faith, I'm not talking about sin issues, I'm talking about if in faith they are living that way from that conviction, then it can be done to the glory of God. And I need to celebrate that, not, not squash it, okay? Romans 14, 5 and 6. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Now he's talking about holidays, holy day, holidays. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. You see that? Are you fully convinced? I would never let my family celebrate Halloween. Okay. Are you fully convinced? Yes, great. Then I'm not going to invite you over for trick-or-treating. <laughs> I'm not going to have my children invite your children to trick-or-treating because then your kids are going to come and they're going to be like, Daddy, Daddy, we've got to go to their house and do trick Well, we don't believe it. You see what I just did to your family? I just gave you a miserable night as a parent, and that's not loving. <laughs> Now, over here, I'm going, those dummies, it's just Halloween, it's just trick-or-treating, right? Get over yourselves. No, no. <laughs> that can't be my attitude. That's a wrong attitude. That's not loving. And then he says, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. The one who in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives, gives thanks to God. Do you see that? Again, this isn't right and wrong. This isn't moral, immoral. Oh, oh, you're, you're going to celebrate it? You're going to eat that food? And you, and you can do that to the honor of the Lord? Praise God. Oh, you're going to abstain? You're not going to celebrate that day, and you're not going to eat that food, and you're not going to drink that drink. Praise God. Both are honoring the Lord. Both are honoring the Lord. Whew. I know that for a lot of you, this is heavy. This is not how you grew up, right? I didn't grow up this way. 
I grew up with, here's a checklist of the 10,000 things that are just bad, right? You don't go to movies, and you don't listen to rock music, and you don't take a drink, and you don't, all, you know, you don't dance. <sighs> Brady, you're stepping on toes. It's not me, it's Paul, I swear. I swear. <laughs> okay, so how do we... How do we accept each other even with different consciences? I'm going to give you some ways. How do we accept each other even with these different consciences? First and foremost, first and foremost, we never confuse the gospel with my own conscience. Phrases like, in order to grow in Christ, you need to not vote this way. In order to be a good Christian, you can't watch this thing, okay? You've just confused the gospel with your opinion. So that's number one. We try to, how do we accept each other? Look, we try to learn from each other, don't we? One thing that Paul teaches us in here is that our convictions can actually change over. I gave you an example in my own life. Our convictions can change and they can grow and they, they can be transformed. And that's a beautiful thing. So what, what do we need to do? We need to learn from each other. We need to listen to each other. Which means in order to do that, what do you have to do? You have to surround yourself with people that don't have all the same opinions and convictions as you. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? It's important. We need to not cause stumbling. As we understand each other's convictions, we need to not cause them to stumble. And like he says, we need to not judge each other. Instead, we need to celebrate the difference, just like, just like we teach that we should celebrate black and brown and white, and we should celebrate old and young, multi-generational, and we should celebrate male and female, and we should celebrate different cultures and um, different backgrounds. We should celebrate all that. Have we, can we take the next step a next step deeper into celebrating a difference of conscience among us. Can we do that too? Maybe. But maybe the most simple yet profound thing that we can do to accept each other is gather to worship and sing, literally sing together. Verse 15, verse 6. 15, verse 6. That together, together, you may with one voice glorify God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that? That's his prayer. That's, his, that's where he lands this section, together. What does that imply, church? Uh, <laughs> it's pretty simple. We're all in the same space. We're all in the same space. We're together with one voice. I think he means literally. I think he, I think he literally means get together and say the same things together, sing the same lyrics together. Because what does that do? It becomes this cyclical effect of as I gather with the church and sing with the church, 
Unity is built in through that, and unity is then expressed through that. Look, here's the problem. You, you can't, you can't, and I'm, look, some of you are home because you have to be. Some of you are home because you're sick. I get all that. I'm not talking to you. I'm saying, listen, listen, you can't welcome and accept and receive one another from your couch. Churches today are literally abandoning the gathering. There are churches that have entirely abandoned the gathering and have said, we've learned through COVID that online is just better and we're just going to do online. Church, listen to me. That's, that's a sin issue. We are commanded to be together and to sing together. We did it for a while because we didn't know what we were doing, and we did, it was COVID and all that. Look, and, 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 but listen, we got to be together. This is how we express our unity. It's literally how we welcome each other. It's not an add-on. Singing isn't just some add-on. It's not just some nice thing we do. No, we are a sing. We are, we're probably the only faith on the planet, the only religion on the planet that sings. That literally gets together and just belts it out to Jesus. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Are you free enough to gather? Do you have faith enough to gather? Do you have faith and love enough to sing out loud? Well, Brady, I don't like all the songs. Uh, that's the point. <laughs> Are you listening to me? <laughs> One of the ways we accept each other is by accepting the song I don't necessarily love. <laughs> because some, this, this guy over here is, woo, 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 and I'm over here like, I don't get it. <laughs> but hey, brother, if it's moving you, I'm with you. <laughs> That's what it needs to be, right? Okay. Whew. I got to keep going. There's more to this verse. As Christ has welcomed you. All right, how do, where does the internal power come from? How do I do this? Let me tell you the story of Jesus. Jesus was in heaven. He was so welcomed. Everybody liked him. You know, right? Everybody liked him. John says he was in the side of the Father. He was, in, he, was, he was so attached to his dad. The father and the son just literally hugging on each other and loving each other. You're the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. And the Holy Spirit's like, all y'all are the best. And it was gorgeous and it was beautiful, wasn't it? There's nothing, there's nothing else like that, the welcoming and the receiving and the acceptance that the Trinity has. And then, Philippians 2, Christ did not, did not say, I, I have to hold on to that. I'll be nothing without it. He didn't consider it something to be grasped. Remember that verse? In other words, I'm going to be okay. And he came down. And he came down to us on earth. And let me ask you, how was he received? He was despised and rejected by man. 
a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He came into his own, and his own received him not. He came as the greatest person ever, teaching the greatest truths of God's salvation ever, doing everything right, loving everyone perfectly, and yet the world could not welcome him. And for 30 plus years, he experienced being the odd man out, the freak on the side, don't sit at our lunch table, even to the point of the cross, the ultimate, ultimate rejection, the ultimate despising, the ultimate forsaking, and not just by people on the cross, he was forsaken by God, the Father, for you and for me. He took that thing that we're all trying to get all the time, acceptance, if you just like me, if I can just get you to like me, if I can just get you to welcome me, if I can just fit in, if I, if I can just be in your group, if I can just say something cool and get likes on social media, if only, if only, and yet we fail and we reject each other, we, we despise each other, don't we? We talk behind each other's backs. We kick out the odd people. Unless somebody's just like me, I don't accept them. And then the more we get to know each other, I realize, oh, you're, now you're not like me anymore. And I push you away, and I push you away. And Jesus took all of that, all that sin and, and all, of that, all of that rejection, and he took it and he carried it on the cross for us, didn't he? Why? Why did he do that? So that we could be welcomed by God. And now God stands with arms wide open every millisecond of every day. Come to me. Come to me. I receive you. When everybody else rejects you, I receive you perfectly. But I got, I got too much baggage. I don't care. I got too many sins. I don't care. You don't know what I did last week? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I saw you under the tree, Nathaniel. I know you. Guess what? Stick with me. Stick with me. I welcome you. Listen, are you here this morning? Do you, does your heart scream for that kind of welcoming? <laughs> Have you felt that welcoming from your Savior, Jesus Christ? Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't. I'm here to tell you, not Brady, not Mark, not even Grace Baptist Church. We're going to fail you. We're going to be another church on the long list that's going to let you down. But you have a Savior named Jesus whose arms are always open. He's always standing there ready to hug and embrace, always to welcome you. Come as you are. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy. Don't wait. Don't wait till you're fit then you'll never come. Come today. He will welcome you. I promise you. If there's nothing else I can promise in this sermon, this is it. If you come to Christ, he will never say no. Never. He'll never reject you, never turn you away. He'll, he'll never leave you. And once you're his, he never leaves you and forsakes you. His, his welcome is eternal. For the glory of God, welcome one another 
as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Christ welcomes us with all of our differences. That doesn't seem to make any sense. Doesn't, why, why doesn't Jesus just pick people who are just like him? I mean, that's what, that's what you're supposed to do. Surround yourself with yes men, right? Why does he welcome all of us and we're all so different? Because that's the glory of God. Our differences are the glory of God's grace. Do you see it? God can save anyone. I'm too old. No, God can save you. I'm too young. I'm too black. I'm too white. I'm too brown. I'm too, I'm too feminine. I'm too mad. No, that, that all sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? That's, we laugh at that. Well, I, I'm, I'm this way. You're this way. I, I know God can receive me. There's no way he's receiving that guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Guess why? Because that's the glory of his grace. That's the glory of his grace. Listen to me, church. Shared glory is increased glory, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> if Andrew comes in here on a Thursday afternoon and plays a beautiful piece on the piano, he's done that. And you're walking, I'm walking by, and Andrew's playing. He's really good at piano, isn't he? He's pretty decent. And so he's playing, and I'm walking by, and I'm kind of like, hey, that's pretty good. Glad we hired him. <laughs> And there's a smidge of glory there, right? Just a little smidge. But if you put 400 people in a room and he plays to the glory of God and we all sing and worship to the glory of God, that's even more glory, isn't it? That's more glory for God because shared glory is increased glory. What happens when we come together? We share the glory of God's grace. What happens when we accept and receive people who are different from us? That's the glory of God's grace. And church, that is beautiful. That is harmony, as it says. And that is Jesus Christ, isn't it? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we cry out to you. Fill our hearts with your love and acceptance. Fill our hearts with your welcome so that we may in turn welcome one another. By your goodness, by your grace, we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.